0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined by Serena Wolf, the author of The Dude Diet. And I was just saying before we started recording, I'm actually kind of upset because we briefly met for like literally five seconds probably. Five seconds. Yesterday, two days ago. Two days ago, but I'm saying it doesn't count. Yeah. This is our first official hang Our first official yes. hang, And I was so excited because it was going to be the first podcast guest that I had never met before. But I can feel still honored. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we know each other. Well, I yes. feel like I know you. Instagram. Is, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. That's how Instagram works. And, you know, feeling connected to so many people is so great. But then it's also kind of Odd when you take a step back and I'm like oh well Serena does it like I'm thinking about what I wanted to ask you and there's so much but I truly feel like I'm a part of your life
1: yeah I mean that is actually the part that I love about Instagram because I've paired my Instagram back so much mm-hmm. it was like one of my you know whatever we call our resolution intentions yeah. whatever you want to call it um but I now follow so few people that I feel like I agree. It's a it's a deep dive into the people that I do follow mm-hmm. and I'm I'm here for it. I'm like a oh, lot of, and I've taken so many of those relationships offline. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's it's given me such a positive relationship with social media because I'm like as long as social media stays social which it was not for mm-hmm. me when I was following a lot of people. Yeah, it's like a brain dump. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just made me feel like shit. Yeah, I feel Also, you. <laughs> sorry, what is the what is your swearing protocol on oh, this podcast? Oh, we swear. <laughs> okay. Everything's explicit. Do not worry. I am one to
0: swear, so this podcast is all for swearing. But I actually found you, one of my Instagram friends that became like a very real friend, Molly, was yes. Kalifa, who's been on here. I remember she told me about you once, and I started following you, and I realized that actually when I was at, at J.P. Morgan, a person mentioned The Dude Diet to me. Like, years ago, when this first came out. And they were like, Kimmy, have you heard of this? I'm like, no, but it sounds so cool. (laughs) And I think I looked into it, but that was before I had Freckled Foodie; I wasn't following any food Instagrams. So it was a short-lived relationship at that time. But then Molly brought you back into my life, and now I'm totally here for it. Yeah, hey, Molly. Molly's my favorite. I love her. So we're going to do a deep dive into you, the Dude Diet, all of that. But first,
1: I have my, like – annoying questions but how would you define success? Ooh, my definition of success has changed so much Mm -hmm. because I'm super type A and always have been very goal-oriented. Same. And I used to get my sense of self-worth from external validation Mm -hmm. so I was super academic growing up. Mm -hmm. Did you go to Harvard? Um, I did. I was reading your bio and I was like damn okay. (laughs) But that actually funnily enough was sort of a goal of mine when I was a kid, no reason, you know, it's a brand mm-hmm. name. And I was like, I'm, I will go to there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like really just sort of worked hard and then enjoyed that. When I did that, I got validation in 100%. terms of like you get an A or you mm-hmm. get a head pat from your teachers or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and so that was really tough for me when I graduated from college because I no longer had Sort of anywhere to channel my energy, like, cue extreme panic disorder. But Mm -hmm. that is a different conversation. Um, But I also went to culinary school after college, and that was sort of a reality check because I was the worst. Well, and
0: also you (laughs) hadn't – I was reading your bio, which I really love on your website. I think it's hilarious and perfectly written.
1: But you, like, didn't cook. No, I didn't cook at all, so nobody in my family cooks. Like, my mom growing up – She's a good cook, but she forgets that she's cooking. Like, she's a multitasker. That and That is so we the ate,
0: definition of my mom.
1: We ate, like, burned everything.
0: My mom will throw something in the oven. It drives me crazy. I love you, Mom. But she'll <laughs> throw something in the oven and then just walk away. And something will be on the stovetop and she'll walk away and start getting dressed and put on her makeup. And I'm like, oh, exactly. Like, what's going on And then, like, here? somebody
1: would smell something, and she'd be like, oh, fuck the roast. You know? Yes. <laughs> but, like, it's all
0: good. Like, we ate good food growing up, and yeah. it's still now. But she just... Yeah, it it's an efficient mess it's all over the place but somehow yep. it always happens and it works
1: <laughs> and it, just it always
0: works and honestly
1: mind. I do find that like I love a good char on things oh, so same. I find myself disclaiming that whenever I'm cooking and doing demos and stuff I'm like if you're not into this extreme browning as I am you can just turn down crisp. the heat yeah. um but yeah I hadn't cooked at all I sort of made like grilled cheese and very bad scrambled eggs and I got there and I really think that I was so naive. You're only, first of all, the only person who moves to Paris at 22 with no friends, barely speaking the language and like no job prospects and just believes it's going to work out is like a 22 year old. I was like, I was so naive and optimistic and had zero fear. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And just sort of assumed that I would make it work as I had, Everything that had preceded of course. that, and so you went to Lake Cordon Bleu, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. And the only reason that happened was I got to Paris and I wanted to be a writer, and I thought I would get these freelance jobs. I had the wrong type of visa. It's just like a long, winding, mm-hmm. ridiculous okay. story. But a friend of mine had done uh, the basic program at Cordon Bleu because at Cordon Bleu everything is divided into three levels, and then there's okay. cuisine and pastry, and you can do them simultaneously or you can just do one track. And each term is like three to four months. So I was like. I'll do the basic course. She was like, you'll Mm -hmm. never regret having this life skill. I agree. And even just reading your bio, I was thinking, damn it, why didn't I do that? (laughs) And it it really is something that I think anybody Mm – like could benefit from but again that's coming from yeah. an extreme place of privilege so 18. you
0: went to Paris without knowing you were going to do Cordon Bleu yes well,
1: oh I didn't know that um, yes Uh. well no I had booked my flights but I had decided like okay. a week before to apply and you know just to blow up my own spot. Everyone's like, oh my god, Like, how did you get in with no experience? I'm like, everybody gets in if you write the check. (laughs) Okay, I was going to ask that same question. Um, So yeah, and you have to write an essay and whatever. But again, everyone gets in. Uh, So I got there and sort of, again, naively thought I would be roasting chickens and drinking wine and Mm -hmm. and power chopping onions a la Julia Child and Julia Julia. And I just got there and realized I was completely off base. And anybody who knows literally anything about cooking or culinary school already knew that, but mm-hmm. I didn't. And everybody else in my class had a lot of cooking experience or was a, in professionally or was an excellent home cook and was following their okay. passion to take their cooking to the next level.
0: And did you feel underqualified at
1: the time, or were you still so Oh no, naive? I felt very underqualified okay. and sort of figured this out on the first day and was like, Oh, oh shit. Like <laughs> I perhaps have made the wrong decision. <laughs> oh and I I really hated it the first few weeks okay. cuz it's trial by fire. They throw you mm-hmm. right in. You are blowtorching feathers off of chickens and mm, interesting. Be everything that you do, you go to demonstrations where they teach you techniques and recipes and then you have a 3-hour practical following it where you execute whatever recipes they've chosen in those 3 hours and you're graded on not just the food that you present, mm-hmm. so, you know, every, like the flavor, the texture, et cetera, yeah. but also the presentation itself, how pretty it looks, whether the plate is appropriately warm, not too hot, not oh too my cold. Gosh. You're also graded on the cleanliness of your workstation. And I am a shit show in the kitchen still. I've gotten mm-hmm. a lot better, but in the beginning, like, I'm a messy person, so I it was hard for too. me to get it together. And then also on your personal neatness. And again, I'm somebody who spells a lot. Oh my God. So, like, how clean your jacket is at the end of the practical and your apron, and like if you're still unwrinkled and all these things. And I was just not equipped. And I remember calling my mom crying and being like, I've made a huge mm-hmm. mistake. I think I should you know yeah. pack it in and she was like no. You I was, will." I Did you, you consider will, leaving? Yes and mm-hmm. she was like you'll stick it out <laughs> and sometimes you just need somebody to be yeah. like no you know put your big girl hands on and go back and it sounds so cliche and I can only pin like I can't pinpoint the exact moment but I only really realized it in hindsight that I would say probably five or six weeks in I just settled into it. It's like when you go to a yoga class mm-hmm. and you like can't do a chaturanga and then all of a sudden it feels like you've been doing it forever yeah. and I really just fell into it and fell in love with it and I think because also I'm an anxious person there was something very therapeutic soo- therapeutic mm-hmm. and soothing about being in the kitchen it was very quiet it was very uh, again like goal oriented in that you're putting 100%. together this presentation on which you will be graded yeah it's and also it was- like task you complete it next task exactly and mm-hmm. it was a I think it was very good and very character building. I mean, at this point in my life, I've had 18 million failures, but at that point, Mm -hmm. I hadn't. So it was like a good, oh, you are the worst in the class. How does that feel? It's a good character building. (laughs) It really was. And it it motivated me to work harder Mm -hmm. um, and to just understand that you don't just get to be good at things. You have to actually work at Mm -hmm. it. Uh, And then I discovered that I sort of had a, I did have a knack for the cuisine element. Like, I really like playing with flavors and mm-hmm. experimenting, which you don't do a ton of. You are executing recipes, but like, it just came easily to me after a while. And so I switched to pastry because for a term, I thought maybe Why I not? used to like decorating cakes. Like, mm-hmm. perhaps I'll like this. <laughs> and
0: I was terrible. I would be so bad. I'm actually like a very bad baker.
1: So am I. And it's science. And That's is why I hate it. No wiggle room and that's what pissed me off is like if I'm making a soup and I'm like oh like this is a little bland I'm mm-hmm. going to add this or I'm going to add that or I made it too or spicy. If I forget
0: and- something. Yes. Or I don't have something. Like baking just drives me crazy because it's so specific and you forget one ingredient and you're fucked.
1: Yes. Exactly. And the decorating. Oh my no. god. And the, the final. I remember hearing about the final task and the highest level of patisserie is you have to build this sugar sculpture Mm -hmm. and if it breaks you fail and I was like I don't care (laughs) this thing stands no chance (laughs) so I gave up and then did the whole like cuisine program which took me a little over a year Um, and I just think it gave me excellent basic Cooking skills, like 100%. the fund, the tech, the fundamental French cooking techniques, are what we're all, you know, mm-hmm. using on a day-to-day basis. And even though I no longer really cook French food, which, like, the entire motto at Croissant Bleu is like plus de crème, plus de beurre," like it's mm-hmm. more green, more butter. And I was like, yeah. that's really <laughs> upsetting my stomach right now. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So I don't cook that style of food, but the techniques are universal. So and also just being a professionally trained chef,
0: yes, is. As- yes a nice addition to your title (laughs) a like it definitely taught you a lot but b moving forward with this career that you didn't know at the time you were going to have it's a very nice add-on yes it it allows or it provides a sense of respect
1: definitely and i think that when i graduated most people were going into the restaurant world that was their Mm -hmm. goal with this yeah or you know we did have a handful of of like 65 plus women that were there late (laughs) in life to just learn. And I loved that, but I always knew I never wanted to be in a Mm -hmm. restaurant always. And so that was kind of weird because at the time I just wasn't familiar. And I also, when I first started at Cordon Bleu, it was a placeholder and I didn't think it was going to turn into my career. Um, and so when I graduated, I had, no idea what I wanted to Mm -hmm. do, but I had started my blog at that time. And how long ago was this, year? That was, oh, shit, eight years ago? Okay. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. So then? Um, I graduated, like, at the very end of 2011.
0: Okay. And when you graduated, you had already started writing your blog?
1: Uh, Yes, but it was really shitty. It was well, called... Were those the videos? Because yeah, I love them yes, so much. Yes, it was called Domesticate... I mean, at the time, my blog is still called Domesticate Me, but at the time, it was domesticatemois.blogspot.com. And the blogspot <laughs> so was key there. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. And it had Blackberry photos because I had a Blackberry Hell at yes. that time. And they were so gross. And the background was pink, which, like, you should not put pink up against food, but... <laughs> It was ridiculous, and I really, but I really loved it. And at that time, it was a hobby, and blogging was not a career option in 2010 when I started it. And so I never anticipated Mm -hmm. doing anything with it. I graduated and decided that I wanted to be on camera and was Mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna be on TV. Hell yeah. (laughs) And so I got a talent agent, which was like huge, but then started going to meet with people about. Being on Mm -hmm. TV and again, really character building to get into these rooms and like have people laugh at me. Definitely, and be like, and this was actually before Instagram. Yes, it was pre-Instagram. I used to get asked how many Twitter followers I had in meetings, which was hell yeah, really stressful because I've never been a big tweeter. (laughs) I used to love
0: Twitter when I was in college. It was literally just a brain dump for me, and it was like half really drunk. Ridiculous yeah. things, but it. W- I looked back on mine recently. I'm like, well, I can't believe I did this publicly. It was just these random thoughts. But every do once you still a while, use it? No, but every once in a while, I have a random thought and I think, <laughs> God damn it, that would make a really good tweet. <laughs> so maybe I'll go bring it back.
1: I love that. But like we, you know, back then we were using social media for fun. Yeah, you know, it, I, I used I, to think
0: when Instagram first came out, I thought it was a photo editing app. <laughs> so my first Instagrams so my personal account are like. Um, remember those Peppermint Hershey Kisses? Yes. It was a photo editing. Like, I don't know why I was doing it, but I was editing a photo of those or like a flower that I saw or like a bracelet and I would do them like 20 at a time because I thought I was just editing the photos with cool filters. I didn't know it was a social platform. Interesting. How times have changed. Mine
1: were like really up close selfies of like me and other people, but I just hadn't figured out how to like get my arm far enough away <laughs> <laughs> just fair. the teeth yes just the teeth um but, but speaking of just the you had a just the yes. tip so when I came home very long story short I didn't know what I wanted to do so I was sort of doing a lot of everything mm-hmm. like really weird things so mm-hmm. I was working on the blog but not that seriously okay um I was hostessing at the Nomad oh really yes I was just there was this their week. first hostess um, What else was I doing? Oh, like going to people's apartments and being like, this is how you make a piece of salmon and some quinoa. Mm-hmm. Like b- very, very, very basic cooking classes. um, And doing some private chef stuff, okay. which I did not know how to do. So that was very weird. Yeah. And then also going to meet with different TV and digital outlets about doing something Mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful that I was able to get into those rooms but they were also like you've been cooking for 18 months of your life our audience is primarily stay-at-home moms in their you know Mm mid-30s to mid-40s who have been cooking for half as long as you've been alive like they're not interested in taking advice from you
0: which is though interesting because I would say times have changed times have changed
1: very much but this was also pre-food being what it is now. okay that makes very much which was really interesting Mm -hmm. because I kept trying to pitch I was like no but it's cooking for millennials it's cooking for people who are just out of college like my friends Mm -hmm. are emailing me you know from all over being like How do they're not asking how do I keep my emulsion sauce from splitting? They're like, Mm -hmm. uh, is the chicken cooked? Am I gonna kill my friends? Which is a huge market now. (laughs) Yes, and it just wasn't at the time. So I kept being like, This could be the first thing. And they were just (laughs) (laughs) and they were just like, No, thank you. Please come back in eight to ten years. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of weird and discouraging. And I think my talent agent was just a little bit he was young but n- not that young mm-hmm. and and really didn't understand sort of the blogosphere which a okay. lot of people didn't yeah. and he was like you don't need to be a blogger we're just going to like skip that step okay and i am somebody a who has never benefited from skipping steps mm-hmm. and was just like i think i have to really do this so i yeah. started buckling down and doing a lot of blogging and being just really consistent and doing the things that you need to do to build an audience that a lot of people don't like. And mm-hmm. so that's always when people are like, Should I, What's your best advice for starting a blog? I'm like, First of all, don't, unless yeah. <laughs> you are a psycho and want to spend all of your time teaching yourself a skill set that mm-hmm. doesn't, that may or may not come naturally to you. Some people it does come really yeah. naturally to, but like I had to teach myself how to take food photos with a DSLR. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to use WordPress, which is very simple, but I am technologically challenged. Uh, no, it is so. not very simple. <laughs> and I was
0: actually just having this conversation with one of my friends. Um, Um, two days ago where I was saying I'm figuring out what aspects of my business I like the most and what I want to focus on and I said to Joe I kind of feel like um, a jack of all trades but a master of none And blogging is one of the things that I have. And my friend is really dedicating her time on the photography aspect of her blog and making sure that it's SEO equipped. Mm -hmm. And she wants, you know, when you search a certain recipe, she wants to be the top of the list. And I've kind of accepted the fact that my blog is not going to be the end-all, be-all, number one spot for people to look for recipes. It's kind of just something I'm going to have. In my back pocket, a outlet for me to provide recipes, to write content on any topics I feel I want to speak more on. Um, but it takes so much work it's so to much have work. it be like, oh, I'm a blogger and have that really be the number one part of your business. Yes. Where I kind of went into this whole thing thinking, okay, yeah, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. And then had a quick realization, okay, maybe the blogging aspect is
1: not my top focus. And you are – that is a very, very smart approach, and you are light years ahead of most people who have only... Thank you so much. But, no, but I mean, you've only been doing this full-time for a year. Yeah. And like, it, I've been at this now for seven years, and I'm only really figuring out what I'm doing now. <laughs> but, well, I keep telling myself I haven't figured it out. I
0: know I don't. Depends on the day.
1: No, but I really think we can talk about this Separately, sure, yeah. but I think there is like a sense of sick there. When we taught, we started all of this because you asked me what success I know. I was just gonna to ask,
0: I need you to actually tell me yes. what success means to you. I don't
1: know how we got here without me answering that, but I think to me, success is having this sense of existential confidence mm-hmm. in what you're doing, not necessarily that you are on the exact right track mm-hmm. forever. I think that, especially given how long we're going to live now, we're Mm -hmm. probably going to have so many different professional seasons. And I actually am pumped about that Yeah, because I'm somebody that gets bored really easily. So I think I used to define success as like from just external validation Mm -hmm. and how many, whether that was money or whether that was people, quote unquote, patting me on Mm -hmm. the back. Are words of affirmation in your love language. Uh yes, mine too. And I, I, I sort of bordered on on that and quality time, but on <laughs> that and acts of service.
0: Ooh, yeah. It's, I'm very, very intrigued by love people. language lately. I've been asking all the people that are closest to me in my life what theirs
1: is because so what you I can give love them better exactly. Yeah. What I
0: give isn't necessarily what they receive as their top.
1: Yeah, so So I really think it's, like, on an existential level, which I know people don't like airy-fairy things, Mm -hmm. but I think it's having that confidence that you are doing your best and also that you, like, for a long time, I really don't think that I fully believed in myself Mm -hmm. in terms of what I was capable of or where I was going. I'm an incredibly rational person, Mm hyper-rational, and I, you know, now what do we call it like magical thinking and manifestation or things and that people on talk all a, a lot about it's just become you know a part of the zeitgeist and mm-hmm. I was very bad at that and I'm still not great at it but I'm working on it yeah. um just Which is because all that you can do yeah the the concept of thinking really really big and making really lofty goals. I was like, yeah, but that's probably not going to happen, so I'm going to I'm going to buckle down on the mm-hmm. things that I know I can yeah. achieve and I think letting go of that hyper rational side and just being like I'm doing this and I'm loving it and that's mm-hmm. sort of where I am in the past 6 months and I've just been so much happier (laughs) yeah
0: and also just believing that everything you do does serve a purpose in some way you might not know what it is but with each step you take it eventually leads you on a path that you're meant to be on yeah and and just accepting
1: that I my favorite saying which I overuse is just you can't connect the dots going forward you can only connect them going back so I like that
0: That a lot, yeah.
1: And I know you are pretty
0: open about anxiety and panic attacks and all that. And I have been—I've never been diagnosed with anxiety or any of that, but I definitely struggle with it. Yeah. And it's something I've been very open with on my platform. Seeing a therapist was the number one thing when I quit my job. I always wanted to see a therapist, but unfortunately, I worked in a job where I got in too early that I couldn't go beforehand. My after work plans always changed, and I couldn't leave the desk to see a therapist. And so, the day I quit, it was my number one thing to do was find a therapist. Um, Love it. But I think that that's something it makes it difficult to do what we were just discussing because oh, my anxiety peaks yeah. on the what is the end picture? What am I meant? What am I doing? What's happening tomorrow or mm-hmm. in five years? Or what is my career? You know, yeah. like that's where I can get in a dark hole. So what have you found helps kind of pull you out of that but focus on the beliefs that we were just discussing?
1: So when it for me, I had my first panic attack the week I graduated from college, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense because yeah. my whole life I've been able to channel all of my nervous energy, so to speak, and mm-hmm. what has now manifested itself as anxiety into academics. And yep. the second that I – no longer had a plan mm-hmm. or a next step. My brain was like, "Why? Yeah. What is happening?" I was and in it a just... dark place right after I graduated. Yeah, college. so it was, and it is ridiculous and sort of amazing that I've chosen this career path for myself, mm-hmm. knowing that there's so much space for anxiety because, you know, part of having anxiety is fear of the unknown. And I was just going to say those exact words. It's perpetual. Mm-hmm. Everything is unknown. I cannot really see the next steps. And I experiment a lot. And I think leaning in to the fear, mm-hmm. which I've only really started to do, again, in the past six months or so, just really throw myself into it and be like, I don't care if this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently working on a lot of projects. that I'm like, these p- could very well go nowhere. And And the weird thing is. Is I don't care and not in a defeatist way, in like mm-hmm. a really wonderful, exciting, optimistic yep. way where I no longer have any qualms about throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks as yeah. long as it's making me happy because I do have a little bit more financial flexibility now. Like, mm-hmm. I really stress to people that being your own boss is really wonderful and our culture really. Uh, nowadays puts so much pressure on following your passion and, mm-hmm. and you know, if you're, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. And mm-hmm. I think it's really misleading. And I also think it's not necessary to, for your work to be your passion. If you have other things in your life that you're passionate about, I think totally it's agree. too much pressure. But I also think what's crazy is that I am only now, like in this moment, sort of really passionate about what I'm doing. I have had to spend a lot of time with the notion that I would eventually get to a place like this mm-hmm. doing really shitty work that I was not passionate about that was a stepping stone. And like I think it's really naive and really privileged for people to think that you just get to first of all most people like cannot cannot work for themselves. work for themselves. And also the concept that you just like start your blog or write a book or whatever and become this overnight success without mm-hmm. having to spend years with your nose to the grindstone is just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I think mm-hmm. something I've been focusing on more recently is like pulling back the curtain on the reality of the yep. day-to-day and the finances and stuff, because the curtain can often seem very glamorous and it's so just glamorous. not. Um, and I think for me, just leaning into this and yeah. and being like, it may not work out, which a lot of people are like, just tell yourself, like, it's all going to work out. I'm like, it may not, but that is also okay. OK, has alleviated so much anxiety for me. And also doing things that make me happy, that scared me, that memory Mm -hmm. of like you did this thing that you liked that you were scared of doing and nothing bad happened now my anxious brain can call on that memory so when I'm feeling anxious about doing something like that it's like no no no, you have done this before and you were fine
0: (laughs) and it's like the voice we tell ourselves is always thinking of these negative outcomes but then I think when has that voice ever actually been right someone I forget what I was listening to but There was an example of your boyfriend doesn't respond to a text message or something. (laughs) And immediately you're like, well, where is he? What is he doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you tell yourself all these stories. But when has your boyfriend, this is just an example, ever done any of those things you're telling yourself? And then instead he's like, oh, sorry, my phone died. And then immediately your brain shuts off and it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. And if you think back, whenever I tell myself stories about my career or relationships or anything... I think back to all the times that I was telling myself stories, and then none of that was actually true. And if I would, al- if we only told ourselves a potential positive story, yep. imagine how different that would be. And I think what you were saying earlier about how going in with the mentality of like I don't care, I think there are two total sides to the I don't care and I think it's really exemplary and amazing the side that you're taking because there's the side of like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to half-ass this because, you know, whatever. But then there's an I don't care about the result because I want to do this so badly that I'm okay with failing.
1: And I think – some I was talking to a friend recently, and I've been having – the creative process for me is that thing – I don't know if you've seen it. It went viral on Instagram years ago, and it was like – the creative process where it's like, this sucks, this isn't that bad. This is kind of amazing. It's like, this sucks. I mm-hmm. hate myself. <laughs> I hate this project. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's a cycle. And for my with my first book, I was like going through the possible worst case scenario, mm-hmm. like we just talked about. And hilariously, I am a Like I'm apocalyptic when it comes to the worst case scenario and I am in therapy and I love Mm -hmm. therapy and my therapist like has actively started cracking up sometimes at my worst case scenarios. Like I don't even know where you came up with that. Like a lot of that is not even like physiologically possible. (laughs) (laughs) But with the first book, my whole fear was this is going to come out. It's going to disappoint the people who, cause the dude diet started as a column on my blog. It's going to disappoint the people who loved the column and nobody's gonna buy it. I'm never gonna get another book deal, so I'm gonna have to go mm-hmm. into like something else. And it, it will be this huge black mark on my mm-hmm. resume, and and also two years wasted. <laughs> yeah, that is not realistic because like the truth is, is if it was a flop, there are a bazillion books that are a flop, and those people are matter. fine. It would not matter at all. Um, but my fear with the second book is now just a bigger there was such a positive response to the first one that I'm like, oh, now I'm going to let these to live people up down. Most times, you know, people shit on sequels. So okay. <laughs> I'm like I'm just setting myself up for possible failure. But at the same time, my friend was like, well, did you do your best? And I was like, well, that's a really layered question. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, let's not go into, you know, you can always change things. But it's exactly. like at the time that you turned it in was the best you could have done. And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, well then fuck it. Like there's nothing matter. else you could have done. There's mm-hmm. literally nothing. so it's gonna come out. You, yeah. you did it. And and also like there will
0: always be someone that maybe doesn't love it as much.
1: Oh my God. There's gonna be a and that's million. That's fine. If you ever go on it's actually like now become a, like fun for me to to read the like lengthy hate notes that oh, people God. write. Yeah. Um about books. Cause if you ever go on Goodreads to actually find a book to read. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult because you're like, oh wow, like people have written novels about how much they ate <laughs> this.
0: Well, I also think about that with things like Yelp, for instance. Yes. I would never go on Yelp and review an incredible experience I had at a restaurant. Yes. But I have gone on and left like an awful review on a horrendous experience. People love to review the negative experience because they yes. feel it's this outlet of, ha, I got you back. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I've been that person. But then the thousand restaurants that I've gone to that are amazing, I would never think, oh, I should go on Yelp and review this.
1: Yes, exactly. It's a it's a ridiculous space yeah. all of these review spaces are hilarious i've actually spent a lot of time reading very funny amazon reviews. oh my god have you ever read the sugar-free haribos
0: yes that's, oh, that's what, what it was <laughs> we read
1: it at work i spent like an hour
0: one day at work reading them they are so good
1: i need to tell you this story which is completely irrelevant but i sincerely hope that Bring anybody who appreciates ridiculous amazon reviews i was looking for a weighted blanket For my anxiety on Amazon. And there was this weighted blanket, and somebody had written a novel review, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm intrigued by this. And it was also a positive review, so I was super pumped about it. It was this guy who said, he was like, first of all, it looks just like a normal blanket. And I was like, okay, are you trying to hide that it's (laughs) a weighted blanket? First of all, that's a ridiculous way to start. And then he was like, It's very difficult to move underneath the blanket, but not impossible. (laughs) Did you not understand what a weighted blanket is? I was like, this is, that, stuff like that brings me just an absurd amount of joy. I remember on Milk
0: once, I think it was, on Amazon. They, I could spend an entire day reading (laughs) Amazon reviews.
1: Everyone in the the iTunes review notes, please leave your favorite Amazon. And so
0: that's something like the story I was telling myself. I decided I wanted to start a podcast basically because I just fucking love talking. Yeah. I could talk to a wall. Like my elementary school teacher wrote it in my report card. (laughs) I don't shut up. I tell way too much of my own story to anyone that has ears. So I thought it was a great way to reach my audience in a different outlet. Because I find it more therapeutic than writing sometimes. And I just wanted to bring people on here to have conversations about things. But I was naive in the sense that I decided, oh, I want to start a podcast. And I had drinks with one of my closest friends, not in this space, in real world, quote unquote, who works in production and media and... She was giving me all these ideas and how, you know, I should take it slow and maybe meet with a few people and meet with a producer and have them do it for me and all this stuff. And I left, took none of her advice, naively decided to just go buy my own equipment, figure out how to do this. I spent days on the internet crying and wanting to rip my hair out because it was so confusing. (laughs) and put it out there and she was like wow you literally did everything I told you not to do but like I'm really proud of you but okay do not listen to anything I say and I was like you know I was so naive that I just put it out there and I'm happy I did that because I am someone that when I decide I want to do something I have to get it done and so I ripped the band-aid off but then once it was out there I was like oh shit What did I just do? And then the story I was telling myself was, this is going to suck. No one's going to listen. Anyone that listens is going to tell me to shut the hell up because nothing I'm saying is interesting. Um, Just, you know, I got in that whole mind... Fuck. I don't know what else to call it. But
1: don't you find, at least in the past year, the more that you try stuff and, A, figure out what you like, mm -hmm. the happier you, you are leaning into those things. Oh, my gosh, yes. But also... The more you fail, the more you realize it doesn't doesn't matter. matter. Like my, I went on a book tour with my first book, and I went to like 20 cities, and some of the events were huge successes Mm -hmm. and like sold out and amazing, and some were colossal failures. (laughs) And when I say that, I think people are like, "Oh, like it wasn't a great turnout." I'm like, "No. Imagine a room with snacks for 50 and chairs set out and two people sitting there." And you have to give the full presentation for those two people. Oh, my god! Oh, my like, That's really good. What like, I'm talking about. These? So uh, where did I have my worst ones? Ooh, Seattle. OK, Which I feel like, to be fair, at the store, they were it was pouring rain. But I'm like, isn't it always pouring rain? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I think it's just tough. We didn't have a lot of time to do promotion on this. Mm-hmm. And yada, yada. And I was like, you don't have to sugarcoat it. I'm OK. Yeah, I'm it's OK. okay. And, but that was only because I had had so many failed events. I did an event in a bar in Minneapolis, like a dive bar. Sounds amazing. I thought it was a genius idea. And I, there was a guy from Barnes & Noble with one of those giant machines that look like they're from 1940 Mm -hmm. to sell the books. And there was a stack (laughs) of books. I didn't sell a single one. People just looked at me the entire night. Like I was batshit crazy. I just... I mean, I had several cocktails, but there was a table of girls sitting next to me and they were like, what the fuck is this bitch doing in here hawking this weird ass diet oh, book? And I was just like, okay, wow, this is what it feels
0: like. This is what failure <laughs> feels is, like.
1: This is uh, to a tour rock bottom right here. But, but it, once you accept that, then it doesn't But matter. then it just didn't matter. And I just, I was like, nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't sell any books, which was not ideal, but oh well. And, and if you don't fail, then there's really no success. Yeah. And like, it just, that, and I, I also now am super touchy feely, mm-hmm. even like five years ago. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, I, it's hilarious. He's like, now you walk down the street, you see a dog, you start crying, you like, talk about something, <laughs> you start crying. I'm like, I used to be not a bitch, but like stone cold. I literally and had this conversation last night.
0: Really? I never cried. Like growing Neither up, I, my parents thought I was like a sociopath. I would cry in <laughs> movies and TV shows sometimes, um, but I was stone. Like yeah. I was not the nicest person. Yeah, and I would say that my sister, I was, I was a bitch. There's yeah. no getting around it. I mean, I think I had that reputation in different realms <laughs> of my life. Um, but I just, I, I really had an opinion, and I just said it how it was, and I had no time for the like. I still don't really. I'm not a sugarcoater. Yeah. so
1: Which I appreciate.
0: Yeah. But I I think I have definitely changed where I had an emotional breakdown last night. We got home from dinner and I started hysterically crying. And I, in that moment was literally, we had just at dinner talked about how I grew up never crying. I'm hysterically crying because I had a headache after one drink and I just wanted to be normal. And I'm crying. And then I look at Joe and I was like, is this the new me? Am I that in touch with these emotions that I just cry all the time now?
1: But it's glorious oh but I love I that. feel so happy and the, the crazy thing is I actually was talking to my mom and I was like I'm super nice now and I was like and not in a like she's nice I'm like I am like to my core have had mm-hmm. a just uh, not a personality transplant because I've always had ex- I've always been exactly the same yeah. it's just that now I'm a big old softy I like you become softer Uh, Yeah, and I think part of that is my husband. Part of that is therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is just realizing that I feel happiest when I am doing things that help other people. And I would would have thrown up in my mouth saying that sentence Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And it's been... It's been something that's happened since I sort of pivoted outside of straight food, which was what I was doing for so long. And talking about leaning into fear, Mm -hmm. I knew early on that I've always been a multi passionate person Mm -hmm. and my passions are not super profound. I'm like, I love skincare. Skincare. I love celebrity gossip. I love. Fashion. I love shitty TV. Mm -hmm. You know things like that that I used to feel weirdly guilty about Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt like they didn't jibe with my intellectual side, which is ridiculous. Like who the fuck cares? Mm -hmm. But it just felt really strange. And then I was somebody who was like, "You should only do things that you are trained to do." So I was like, "You are a trained chef. You can." Talk about food because you're an expert. You are not an aesthetician. Mm-hmm. You are not a style expert. You <laughs> have never worked in Hollywood. Like, who are you <laughs> to critique 90s television? But, you know, I just felt like I could only do what I was trained to do. And I was really scared that if I talked about anything other than food, my audience would just go away. Mm-hmm. And I should have, to be honest, now I have, like, my people are my people. And I feel really lucky that I have a really good community online, in, I totally and agree. they're they are my fucking people. And the truth is, is like people are like, how do you deal with haters and whatever? And it's not that I've like never dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we were just talking about the yeah. book reviews. That is like not to me hate. hate. That's just no, like people not liking. Like people are like, I don't like that the dude diet genders eating, and I was like, it's a joke. But whatever. If that's what upsets you, mm-hmm. that's your opinion, and you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, but with when it comes to like actual haters, like Which I Which I think are like Instagram haters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really get that because I think people like I personally don't get a lot of hate because I think I turn certain people off and they unfollow. So they're like, Why does she say fuck so much? Unfollow. I don't totally like agree. she talks a lot about skincare and like I don't give a shit. Unfollow. Mm-hmm. I think they just unfollow versus hating on me. And so my people are my
0: people. I also think it's because and I'm trying to figure out a way to word this because I definitely am in the same boat as you. I fucking love my audience. Like, yeah. I joke to my friend, you know the term gassing, how yeah. you gas someone up? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, it's basically like, <laughs> for, if you were to post an Instagram and your girlfriend's all comment, like, damn, you look fierce, amazing, yes. whatever. Like, they're lighting my fire. They're gassing <laughs> me up. I live in a world of just being gassed, and it rules. Like, yeah. I that's our, I feel as if, I've built an amazing audience that I love and I feel loved by, and I feel constantly gassed up. Yeah. And I said this to my mom, and she was like, post me. I want to get gassed. <laughs> but I think that I feel the same way of not receiving a lot of hate. I've had two messages that actually kind of happened recently, and it was honestly... I get what they were saying and yeah. I opened the conversation and I said, I'm honestly intrigued why you feel that way because I never want to come across that so please tell me more and we talked through it as if we were best friends. However, I think that because we are so true to ourselves yes. and this is what you're getting and if you don't like it, that's fine, people then just unfollow. You're not like an account that, and I don't know how to say this, In a, you know how there are some accounts or people, celebrities, whatever, it's like you're watching a car crash. Yeah. because it's just all so <laughs> fake but you can't stop yeah and i think that that's the people the accounts that receive hate which no one should be receiving hate if you're someone that's damning someone mean shit like get a life yeah get over I yourself completely agree. just unfollow them but i think a lot of hate comes from people feeling it that they're not authentic
1: yes that's true that's and so
0: i think because you're so authentic and this is what you get and if you don't like it, unfollow people do then just unfollow. just unfollow you're not someone that people are like let me go back and watch her stories because this is just like so maybe, ridiculous yeah and or, i hate it or, I or like watch it maybe
1: if you know i don't think people think like oh maybe if i dm her and are like it, i'm not a big fan of profanity so if you could stop swearing mm-hmm. that would be great and then assume that you will. I'm gonna Yes. Yeah. I went through a phase where I put like explicit
0: on my stories yeah. where I curse. And then I was like, I'm writing this on every goddamn story. But, I can't. You
1: know, I do think it was really interesting when somebody really nicely, like anytime somebody doesn't like something I'm doing, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's wonderful when they express 100%. that. 100%. But I mean, there was like, you know, somebody, and I wouldn't consider this like a hateful comment. Mm-hmm. I had asked because. I try to respond to all my DMs, which is a very time consuming thing, but it means Same. a lot to me. I'm like, if somebody's taken the time to send this message, the least I can do is acknowledge it. And I think that when people ask important questions, mm-hmm. whether it's a cooking question or something about anxiety or want to talk about a skincare product, I'm like, that's valid. Yeah. But unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, whatever you want to call it, it's like a lot of times, like, people are like, like, Shirt link with eighteen question marks I know, I or love whatever that you post in the beginning of <laughs> so any I just, story. So now, but when that started happening, I felt like I couldn't stay on top of my DMs because it was just like shirt question mark, but like fifty of those, and then I couldn't get to the important ones. So mm-hmm. I was so now I just tag at the beginning. But when that first started happening, I was like, hey, like would it be easier if I tagged or I was like, do you want like to know it? I don't know how to use like to know it. So I was I like, I will do it if you want, but I don't understand how to use it. Mm-hmm. And somebody DM me, which was like not hateful, but was like, I mean, I I don't think you need to tag at all. Like I don't care where your clothes are from. And I was like, I know, but I'm trying to
0: you, you cater can't to everyone. a lot of
1: mm-hmm. a lot of people. And she's like, Oh, I totally get it. And you know, it was just again, I always tell people if I'm about to go on a long story about skincare, I'm like, We're gonna talk skincare products. You're not interested. We're gonna cook dinner later. So keep on clicking. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, it doesn't bother me. Not all content resonates no. and like also like I talk a lot about anxiety not everyone that follow, most people that follow me are not anxious so they're like I just skip through when you talk about anxiety yeah I don't and that's care. fine
0: like <laughs> and something I've done that someone recommended that I think has changed it's definitely more work and mm-hmm. annoying for me but I think it helps a lot of people and as a consumer I would Totally appreciate it. Yeah. Is and you do it too. Is writing oh subtitle on your all story. my Insta stories because I people are watching on silent. Well, I never listen with my headphones on yeah. anyone's stories. so I don't know why I thought anyone would be <laughs> listening to my stories with their goddamn headphones on. Like I I never have volume on, so my. I guess I thought I was so special yeah. that people would listen to mine. So I started doing subtitles, and I'm the same way of like I'm. T- especially with my medical stuff. I'm like, if you don't care, which majority of you probably don't, but for the 10 people example that this will help, I'm going to talk about it. Skip on through.
1: And my favorite, the only time I don't subtitle is I do a monthly Q&A and it's so long. I know. And I'm like, I'll never be able to get through it. So I don't subtitle it. But that means that every Q&A, at least 20 people think they're supposed to answer the questions. So I get like, they'll be answering like three questions and then they'll be like, oh fuck, I just realized that like, you don't want me to answer like your answer. And I'm these. like, make it your Q and A girl, I'm getting to know you. Yeah, I love that.
0: <laughs> I don't do the subtitles if I'm doing like cooking with Cam yeah, like at night. It's yeah. it's too long. And I usually ask this in the beginning, so not yes. way far, but what is your favorite characteristic about yourself?
1: Oh, I'm an easy laugh. So I, I've been told that I make people feel super comfortable and make them feel funny because I, I laugh love really that easily. I about people. <laughs> I really love that. Because They're like, I feel really great and funny right now. I'm like, you are, but also I'm, I will literally laugh at anything.
0: I had someone, I was actually DMing with someone today and she was like, you're cracking me up. And I've had someone else say, I think you're so funny. I'm like, tell me more yeah. because no one finds me funny <laughs> in my real life. And I'm married to the biggest jokester and like he steals the show and I find him hilarious the moments I make him laugh which is one in a like thousand moment it is the highlight so I love people <laughs> like you that would laugh at me
1: yes also I think you're very funny oh my
0: gosh thank you so much um, and then I do want to talk about the dude yes. diet which is why I, was <laughs> I
1: think I'm just really bad at answering your question no I, have I haven't even brought it up long, meandering this is our
0: first candles. date so we're really getting to know each other um, the Dude diet. Yes. Tell me everything.
1: Okay. So when I met Logan, mm-hmm. uh, roommate, husband, roommate slash husband, we met when I was at culinary school in Paris. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. He was living in New York. He is a friend of my best friend. This is a weird story, but okay. my best friend came to visit me in Paris. Okay. He was going to London for work. Logan was Got decided it. to go to Paris by himself for the weekend. Mm hmm while my friend was there, and she was like, my friend Logan is in town. We should meet him for a drink. And we did, and, like, that was eight years ago, and now mm-hmm. we're married. Um, So the thing that sort of attracted, one of the many things that attracted to me to him initially was that he, like, loves food. Like, we love food. Mm-hmm. I love many aspects of food, like the experience, the cooking, et cetera. Like, Logan just loves to eat food. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> It's this his biggest thrill in life. Mm-hmm. And love a man like it that. It was very fun and also very funny. Like legitimately gives me a contact high when he's like mm-hmm. really into something. And because we were long distance for the first nine months that we were dating, I was in Paris and he was in New York. Mm-hmm. I just figured that when we were together, he was vacation eating. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. like i just figured he he i mean he ate like absolute shit but i was like he definitely and he wasn't overweight or anything so i was yeah. like he definitely eats healthily on his own mm-hmm. time no 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 <laughs> How so you were false <laughs> yes so i came home after 9 months from paris we became roommates. I was like, "Oh wow, this is what you eat on a daily basis." Mm-hmm. And he re- the the issue was he really didn't think he ate badly, but he ate maybe one serving of vegetables a day. He okay. ate red meat like three times a week. Everything was like fried or involved cheese, like a lot of cheese. okay. And he never cooked for himself, so it was all takeout. And also he works in finance, so it was a lot of like steak mm-hmm. house dinners, but for lunch you know oh, i know i did it yeah exactly <laughs> so it, it is a lot
0: it taxed my body
1: and i think for better or for worse men just he's such a smart well-educated guy that mm-hmm. there was elements of frustration when i was like how do you not know this and mm-hmm. i think men are not bombarded with nutrition information the way that women are no and because
0: women are so focused I said this to my therapist. Women spend so much time bettering themselves. If men spent a tenth of the time (laughs) that females spend bettering themselves, we would have an incredible population.
1: Fact. and I just was blown away by sort of his nutritional confusion. And he would just internalize random tidbits from – Mainstream diets and be like, mm-hmm. oh, like this is a vegan muffin, so it is healthy. Oh. And I was like, no, no, no or like no. I'd watch him eat three pounds of chocolate covered gluten free pretzels. He's like, they are gluten free. And I was like, that does not matter. Yeah. Uh, so when I would suggest that he should potentially start eating more healthily, he would freak out mm-hmm. and be like, I'm not eating weird vegan shit. And I was like, I'm not a vegan or eat. Mm-hmm. an eater of weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, like it can be very simple and but delicious. But he had kind of a 90s view of healthy eating and thought he had to eat tofu and spinach and yeah. Greek yogurt forever. Low-fat everything. Yes. And I was just like, that's ridiculous. But I realized that he's, he's difficult to reason with and I figured mm. that it would be easiest... To show, not tell, and so I wasn't trying to trick him, but I just started revamping when I made dinner all of his favorite things and cutting out everything processed and working in more vegetables, more lean meats, more whole grains. Mm -hmm. A lot of times he didn't even know what the thing was, you know, quinoa or farro or any of these things, but he was like, "I like it." Uh, But I'm talking cheesesteaks, lasagna, Mm -hmm. chicken fingers, all of these things (laughs) that he really loved, and. He ate these meals, which I was committed to having them induce the same excitement freakouts as his usual food totally. because that was what brought him joy. And it mm-hmm. brought me joy. And so I made these meals that I hoped would were just delicious, not delicious for being healthy with mm-hmm. that disclaimer. And he would eat these meals and be like, that was delicious, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, this had X in it and Y and whatever. And he'd be like, oh. You tricked me. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not tricking you. Like, you can be like, I knew something tasted weird. And I was like, no take backs. Yeah. Like, (laughs) no, no, you liked it. Then why is your plate clean? And I figured, and at this stage, I was focusing more on growing the blog. And I wrote this one off post Mm -hmm. saying, called it the Dude Diet. It's like, my boyfriend is sort of on a diet. Mm -hmm. And this is the type of stuff that I've been making and he's been feeling better and losing weight and all of this stuff. And I think I posted a recipe for also buco or something. People should go look at the first two diet posts because it's so janky. It's like so bad. And the <laughs> recipe is terrible. So don't make the recipe, <laughs> but read the post. And uh, the response to that post, keep in mind, the blog was no longer pink, but like was still very bad at that okay. point. And I was not accustomed pre-Instagram mm-hmm. days to, to receiving a flood of feedback. Yeah. And I started getting all these emails and legitimate blog comments being like, is this a real diet? And I was like, no, but maybe. But maybe we <laughs> can then, make it one. And then people being like, do you have more recipes like this? Which I did. Yeah. And then other a lot of women being either saying my husband, boyfriend, dad, son, whatever is mm-hmm. also nutritionally confused. I would love to cook like this Mm -hmm. because ultimately I don't want to eat super unhealthily at night and he's not going to eat a kale salad. and you don't want
0: to make two separate dinners. No, so we need to
1: find a way to meet in the middle. And then so many women being like, yes, bitch, like I love chicken fingers, like keep these recipes Mm -hmm. coming. And the joke is that like the dude diet, the name is traditionally gendered. But to me, dude is, I call everyone dude, it's a, it's a...
0: Gender neutral.
1: It's gender neutral, but it's also to me a personality. It's I It's like people who are sort of laid back, mm-hmm. want to eat comfort food, aren't looking to invest a lot of time in, in anything, to be honest. No, I agree. But like food, health specifically. And so it started as a column, and it really it instantly became the most popular thing on the blog. Mm-hmm. And it was your niche. It was Exactly. And it was also really fun for me to write. And a lot of it, Logan, people are always like, how does Logan feel about you making fun of him? And I was like, it's not really making – it is making fun of him, but two things. First of all, Logan is hilarious, and he also is the most laughably secure man I've ever met. Okay. Like,
0: which you need in that type of situation. you need,
1: uh, and also is just fucking aspirational. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you – and he's not annoying. He's, like, a humble person. He just – really yep. secure <laughs> i say
0: if i had the confidence that joe had i would run the fucking world yeah
1: i was i'm always like what and i love it about him it's magnetic but he mm-hmm. was he's he also thought he was some sort of internet celebrity so oh, I was of like, course sure so does logan have
0: an instagram
1: <laughs> yes but it's private and but like does
0: he so he's on instagram he gets the joke he looks at your stuff and yes
1: him. yes yes and then also these first Dude Diet book. Mm -hmm. I mean, the columns were all about him and I had pictures of him and stuff, but he was like, yes, I like this. And just, he's also very funny and thinks it's funny. Mm -hmm. And so when that started to take off, I got a gig private chefing for a couple guys on the Giants through that column because a friend of a friend. Very cool. Yeah, like like, was friends with the the Giants nutritionist who he knew was looking for a Mm -hmm. private chef for some of the players. And she called and told me that this was exactly the type of food that they were looking for mm-hmm. because these guys weren't trying to eat super gourmet meals. They were just trying to like eat less Taco Bell. Yeah. And also I don't know anything about football. So I mean, she was trying to <laughs> suss out if I was a weirdo and I could tell by the questions. I was like, I'm just gonna cut to the chase. I don't know anything about football. I do not know who this guy is who you're telling me about. <laughs> I promise not to be a freak. And I'd never been a like a I'd done dinner parties and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I'd never been a Day to day, private chef. So, were you going every day? No, I was going two to three times a week, and I, what I would do is prepare dinner for that night, mm-hmm. and then make a different dinner for the next for, that yeah. reheated well for the mm-hmm. next night, so they weren't eating the same thing two nights in a row. Because uh, they're giving bre- they're given breakfast and lunch. Oh, okay. At practice, uh, so I started doing that, and that was I don't know how to describe it because it was deeply hilarious. And such a good learning experience, and so awesome, and like so fucking awful. And but that's how I, I prep yeah, I was like, I was just underpaid, overworked, mm-hmm. put in these super weird situations. Because keep in mind, these guys are young. You're alone in their apartment. They weren't yeah. creeps. It's just a strange dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, for people who don't live in New York, like if you live in New York a lot of us don't have cars so i was getting a zip car driving a hoboken mm-hmm. doing this thing it was very strange uh but i don't regret it for a second because but it was isn't it funny awesome now experience. looking back that's
0: how i feel of just like a year ago when i was meal prepping for two to three clients a day three times a week yeah and i'm like what what was i do? like i <laughs> what i did what and it was a f- shit show yeah so underpaid um kind of just like felt like i was just doing what I thought I knew, whatever, and just putting my head to the ground and grinding. Yeah. And you have to. You though. have to. But then it also made me realize, OK, this is not what I love.
1: Yes. And that, for me, giving it that full you know, two years, mm-hmm. I learned so much. It's such a good thing to have that street cred. And also, mm-hmm. for me, I realized very quickly, I was like, I hate private chefing. Mm-hmm. But I knew I needed to stick it out. And also, at that time, I really needed the money
0: hundred percent that's so, why that was yeah, my so main like focus Like we were talking about left.
1: earlier, I did not have the privilege mm-hmm. of just being like, I don't like this. So I'm gonna quit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh so the great thing about that is that was also a selling point for me when I came went totally. to pitch the dude diet, but I got a book agent and I had already written a failed book proposal a couple years before and it had not been bought and that was really heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me. But again, you know, learning curve it brush led to shoulders this. off. Uh, and my agent read everything on my blog and was like, The Dude Diet is your book. It's your only book. It's the only book that I am willing to sell, so mm-hmm. please go write me a proposal. <laughs> and I was like, I respect your honesty. I shall do that. And we sold the concept of The Dude Diet, and for me, men don't buy re- cookbooks. So the pitch was really this is a book for guys who – may not have been able to find a book that speaks to them. Yeah. But it's really a book for women Mm -hmm. who are either going to laugh at it and be like this, I relate to this because there's a guy in my life like this, or – This is me. Yeah. And ultimately, I was like, my goal is that a lot of couples end up buying it. And maybe the woman buys it. and Because that's who's Mm -hmm. buying cookbooks. And she leaves it out. The guy reads it on the toilet. They meet in the kitchen. It's like a wonderful love story. Sounds like my life. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's just been, it came out three years? No. Two, it came out in October of 2016. So it will be three years this October. And is the second book? The second book is... Do Diet Dinner Time. So the first book has like snacks and cocktails and desserts and all of these things. And it's more of a basics. And I like to think that, first of all, dinner is the meal that most of us are struggling to make. And so that's why I decided to do Dinner Mm -hmm. Time. Uh, That was just the most requested recipe type but also I wanted it to be for people who want to make accessible weeknight dinners, but also there is a chapter called black tie optional. That's like dinner part, like Fancy. a little bit elevated. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, I threw in a breakfast for dinner chapter. Mm-hmm. Why not? People like, I'm a people big get their, fan. Me too, but people get their breakfast fixed in there too, should mm-hmm. they not be all about dinner. But it just gives people more options. And my whole thing too is that I want to provide people with roadmap recipes that they can make their own. I'm like, I love when you make my recipes and they're huge successes, but yeah. my whole goal with writing these types of recipes is that they build your confidence in the mm-hmm. kitchen and then you feel like you can... Create meals with what you have and in your fridge and things. change a few things. And, you it's know, a base. You do you is my recipe and my life motto. And I love
0: that. And by. when is the second book release?
1: Uh, October 29th of this year.
0: Oh my god! I know. And you, we were saying you're going on a book tour, and I'm yes. gonna kind of just like maybe jump on a few
1: of the cities yes. and make yep. a girls trip yep. out of it. Yes, I don't know. I've been talking to, to a lot of people about this. I'm like, I'm gonna send. A list to everyone and like everyone tack it on city
0: and like make it a <laughs> make big it a retreat big yes. girls fun food filled very weekend
1: there's so many good cities on that list and like food cities that yeah exactly
0: okay amazing I'm very excited this relationship is moving so <laughs> yes, fast I'm here for it um so to close out <laughs> yes what are the three ways to your heart through food Oh, and one can be you're not sponsored Yeti in a bath because I'm oh my god so in yes. love okay, with so that I'm, part of I'm your page. I'm gonna be
1: super predictable, but I love tequila. It's mm-hmm. my drink of choice. Same. I like the taste of it. I'm not trying to cover it up. Oh, I love it. Um, on the I rocks drink with lime, tequila and the ro- on the rocks with lime in my Yeti, like generally. But mm-hmm. I particularly enjoy it in the bath. Also, if you are a bathtub like cocktail drinker. Highly recommend Yeti, which has yet to acknowledge me or sponsor me. But... We need to get that The steamy happening. bath. Like, people um, never realize that it's melting the ice. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking to a girl who doesn't have a bath, and all I want oh, is one. Oh, my dear God. You can come over and use one. Honestly. I'm going <laughs>
0: home tonight, and I am so freaking excited to take
1: a bath. Baths are my life, bud. Also... Ruby Rosa Pizza. I know that's not, like, a weight of oh, my shit, heart. shit. That just was to another like,
0: thing I wanted to talk about. Can yeah, you give us I go to Ruby Rosa
1: Pizza. I'm, like, outing myself, and this is why, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. But, like, I go to Ruby Rosa with my husband every Sunday, barring travel or extreme illness. And we've been going there every Sunday for... Three and a half years now, four years maybe. Uh, we sit at the bar. The, the staff is sees us more than our friends. Mm-hmm. They know like everything that's going on in our life. Now, when people give us presents, they don't even give us presents anymore. We just get Ruby Rose gift certificates because they're like, at least we know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, I cannot tell you how much I love this. Like, I truly cannot explain how much. And this I post the same
1: picture of the same exact pizza every single Sunday. Yeah. So a,
0: it speaks to my heart in so many ways. But a, I am all about traditions like I, I fucking love, love traditions. traditions I try to make as many traditions in my life as I possibly can B. I love being a local somewhere yeah like, that to it's me the is the best and Joe and I used to do well we kind of every Friday night bar sardine was our Ooh, thing Oh, I love that it, yes however we became very in with the bartenders mm-hmm. and the people that worked there we would get hugs like they'd come from behind the bar i loved it we'd always get a free drink free fries yes. whatever i felt like a local i yes. fucking lived for it we took a month off before our wedding because we had so many planning shit things and we had other weddings then we went on our honeymoon and whatever we come back turn and over the entire, now <laughs> the entire staff turned over uh, i texted the bartender and i was like Where the hell is everyone? And now we are nobodies. We walked in and someone was like, okay, well, we'll take your name. Like, you know, this is how it works. I was like, I fucking know how it works. It was a dagger to my soul. So I'm actually town. I love what you're doing but I'm really just jealous of it all.
1: Yes, I I and I know we already we lost one of the bartenders like 6 months ago and it was really devastating but mm-hmm. like we're still in contact. But still yeah. I'm like eventually this will continue to happen. I don't know the third way to my heart through food. Uh selfishly, I really love when I am able to cook for myself. I agree. with no work attached so it's Mm -hmm. not a night I'm cooking dinner for Instagram it's not a recipe I'm testing for the blog or for the book Mm -hmm. it is just dinner and on Friday nights again traditions Mm -hmm. I make this pasta for Logan and I which is basically the like dude diet pesto from the first book and I use like brown rice pasta and then I add chicken and roasted cauliflower and goat cheese and i don't know we've been eating it every like every friday night that we don't have plans for yeah. years now and that is one meal that i like never cook on instagram and he comes home and i we have cocktails and i make I this love and that. it's wonderful
0: and it's also just like it's time for the two of you yes i know and i've struggled with the tradition that was for joe and i taco Tuesdays
1: yes cuz now it's a work thing it's
0: now kind of a work thing <laughs> i'm like well fuck this backfired <laughs> So, again, I need another tradition, but my goal is to make it to a Ruby Rosa with you one Sunday. Yes, you must. Double date. It's
1: the best.
0: Okay, well, truly thank you, thank for, you for being me. This like – so entering a stranger's apartment. Um, this was so much fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. Yes. You can find, do you want to plug your Instagram?
1: Uh, I am at Serena G Wolf.
0: And it'll all be in the show notes, including Domesticate Me, her blog, and the do-die and all of that. If you haven't checked out The Jew Diet, go buy the first copy and then also buy the second copy in October. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.